Pastor Joe. And I'm Kirsten. We've served in church leadership for over two decades. And most of that, we've been on staff together. We're here to talk about our faith, family, and ministry. Welcome to Under the Hood. Kirsten, what's your most embarrassing Christmas moment? My most embarrassing? I have embarrassing Christmas moments. What, did you fall? You slid Mm. under a car? (laughs) 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 On the snow or the ice? No, but I mean, haven't you had a few Christmas embarrassing moments? No. I know the one of the most embarrassing moments of my life was the first Christmas I spent with you. It was? Yes. It was embarrassing. Actually, I'm actually going to talk about this in my sermon this weekend, so maybe I shouldn't say it now. (gasps) They won't listen before your sermon. (laughs) (laughs) The thousands upon thousands of people that listen to this podcast every day. (laughs) They're hanging on pins and needles right now. Please tell us. No, I think it's a very well-established truth. Christmas. We were in Chicago. We'd been married like six months. Yep. And I think... I think everybody knows by now that gift giving is not my love language. It's not your strong suit. It's not my strong. I struggle. I struggle with giving gifts. That's a great understatement. I do okay at times, but no, no, no. So here's. You, well, let's, let's evaluate these statements. You do okay sometimes. I'm an encourager. I'm good with words. No, no, no. We're talking about gift giving here. I know. I'm not you so good. You do okay sometimes. I'm, I'm, I'm not so good at the actual giving of the gifts. Okay. okay. I'm, much, I'm much better sitting down with somebody and expressing my thoughts and, and appreciation how I feel For than sure. I am actually showing that. Yeah. Now, you, on the other hand, are completely opposite. You are really good at expressing it through gifts. You're a gift giver. And um, and I am limited on my gift giving because I'm married to you. <laughs> Literally every year, here's like, what do you want for Christmas? And I say, I already have everything I could ever want for Christmas. I don't need anything. And that's a real answer. I cannot think if but, I want something, I'll go out and get it. I can't think of anything that I'd want her to spend money on. But that's not really what I'm talking about here because I'm talking about I would like to be more of a gift giver to my friends and family. And you like are like, we're not spending our money on that. (laughs) (laughs) No, come on. You're painting a bad picture of me. That's not true. I love you, babe, but that is who you are. No, no, no. I, I... it's, it's okay to be that way because people like me need a budget, but I don't like them. So when and I ask Kirsten. I would be more free giving stuff out and making stuff. And I would be broke. And yes, <laughs> this is true. So, so when I ask Kirsten what, like she says, Joe, what do you want for Christmas? And I say nothing. I have it. I want my family to be together and I want to eat a good meal and spend the day together. That's Christmas. I want, I want that. Um, when I ask Kirsten, what do you want for Christmas? It yeah. usually starts with thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> it's like wait, I don't have no. I that. asked you that this morning. I'm, I'm like, like well. well, I say, well, honey, what do you want for Christmas? She goes, well, I'd like all new cabinets in the kitchen. Like, Whoa. <laughs> I said, a see, rug. that's the difference. That's yeah. the difference. So Kirsten's new things hardware. are very expensive. She's like, um, I'd like a new microwave oven combo, which we need, by the way. But I, I wouldn't just want think a double oven. No, but I wouldn't right. think I that's a Christmas gift. To make sure we know what's on the list. My main point for <laughs> bring, my main point for bringing this up is is that is that the gifts you want are like you need to be married to a millionaire. I know, but I will say this: <laughs> and in you are order, not. <laughs> in order for me to, because uh, I do love giving gifts, I like receiving them too, but. One of the things that I did a few years ago, <laughs> this is kind of funny. I wanted to do some Mother's Day gifts for my family and my mom and my sister and my sister-in-law. And so for months, I would order a few things here and there and I put them in boxes. And then he didn't realize what I spent on the box because it was just a little bit here and a little bit there, like candles and a box of cookies and a little knickknack here and a little succulent. And it was the cutest, best 
box I've ever given. And I was so excited about giving it, but you, I feel like that's what I sneak. If I sneak anything, (laughs) I'm sneaking purchases to give gifts, which is such a weird thing. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, sometimes this is a little glimpse into our marriage. I'll check our, I'll go online and check our finance. Like, Hey, what's this 1987 from Amazon? He is. First thing he wakes up, it's not Lord. Lord, thank you for the day. It's let me check what you spent on Amazon today. What's this Etsy.com purchase or whatever? I can literally lay in bed and shop because I wake up probably an hour or two before you do. And I will, I will get on Etsy or Amazon or, or a different shop and I'll like buy a thing here or there and literally as soon as he wakes up he already knows I spent it I'm like oh man <laughs> it's like that's the first thing you do Lord thank you for giving me life today let me check my bank account <laughs> <laughs> well I'm always on the lookout for fraud I'm always on the lookout no I, I am fraud. no I am I'm always on the lookout to make sure everything's in order I don't sit around and worry about it but I I keep an eye on it. I want to make sure that things are lining up the way we plan and think and that things that are supposed to come out on certain times come out at certain times because if they don't, then there's a problem. And You were the last to get on board with that auto payment thing because oh you were my like, gosh. no, because sometimes they double dip and you can't trust I'll admit, like I'll that. freely admit this. It took me years to get on board with that uh, automatic bill pay because I was like, when we were younger in our marriage, I was always, I wanted the control. I was like, no, I want to know what I'm spending. And I kind of had this thought that the second I hand over banking information, what's to stop them from just taking it all? And so for years, she was like, I was like, can we please just let them take so when they need it? There was always that, you know, every month you sit down to pay bills a couple of times a month and I would stress out because, oh, I forgot to do that and get it in the post office. I would just shake my head in shame. I would go online and I would pay. And so whatever our bills were, I would go online because I would pay online. But the automatic deduction, I was just... And so finally, she just came to me one day. She goes, honey, please, let's just try it. We can always shut it off, but I think your life would get so much better. And I think I said it that night. And I said... All right, fine. I'll try it. So we set up everything on automatic bill pay. And your life and has forever changed. Forever changed. <laughs> uh, I no longer, you know, like, See, I, I bring, would get so frustrated. I, good I would get so life. frustrated if I forgot one. I got dinged with a $2 late fee. I was like, just bugged me like you wouldn't believe because it's just wasting money. And, and so, yeah, we've been doing the automatic bill pay for many years now. And it is so... Nice. But anyway, that, that, okay, so getting back to yeah, my most so embarrassing, embarrassing moment. Embarrassing Christmas. Sorry. <laughs> okay. We got way off track. So I have an embarrassing moment for Christmas and I have an embarrassing moment on one of your birthdays. Ooh. No, I actually have two embarrassing moments I'll tell on myself. Wow. So the, the first one was the very first Christmas I ever spent with you. And yes, I did not get Kirsten a Christmas gift. <gasps> All right. It was our first Christmas. Ooh. And wait, I, are you talking about when we were engaged or married? <sighs> Well, I don't think I spent time with your family when I was engaged to you. I really didn't get to know them until we were married. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I didn't get to know your family until we were married. Because that was pretty embarrassing. I got to know them a little bit. Well, but I think we told that story last year on the podcast. We might have, but I I don't remember. But we can revisit that. I'm good at retelling stories, but I remember getting up really early on Christmas morning and we're up in Chicago. So there are things open. And so, but I knew that Walgreens was open. So I went to Walgreens to f- try to find, did I tell this story? Yeah. Try to find. Was this a walk of shame into Walgreens? <laughs> so I'm up before you anybody else in the house. But on Kirsten's, Christmas morning. Yes. So Kirsten's family lives out in the country, or they did back then. And and so I had to drive a little ways to find a Walgreens. That was, it took me a little time. And literally I was there with 50 other men. Okay. There's 50 other men in Walgreens. And we're just trying to find anything that resembles something that looked thoughtful. Like we put thought in it. So I got it. I thought, okay, I'm going to get home in plenty of time. Little did I know that Kirsten's family gets up early on Christmas day and makes breakfast. So I'm sneaking back in the house and her entire family is sitting around the the dining room table waiting for me for breakfast. And here I am with Walgreens bags. (laughs) "Ah!" (laughs) Kirsten, she had this look of, it's, it's a combination of I'm so mad at you. And I'm so embarrassed for you at the same time, whatever that look is. 
But that one was pretty embarrassing. I'm sorry, babe. You remember that, don't you? Well, yeah, I do. I do remember that. <laughs> and I wasn't surprised, though, by it either. <laughs> and it, it, And I will say, I don't think it's the last time you've been to Walgreens on Christmas morning. No, it is. It is? But not on Christmas Eve. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm a little bit better than that now. I don't. But I think, honestly, as I recall... And that was like 25 years ago. I had been sick. Wasn't that the year I got sick and I couldn't get out no, go shopping? No, that's that was about our third or fourth year being married. You were sick at uh, your brother's house. And I was like, good morning, Merry Christmas. And you're like, I'm sorry. I'm so sick. I didn't get you a Christmas. I said, you woke up sick this morning. <laughs> no. The, what do you before. mean you didn't get me a Christmas I was going to do. Then, no, I was going to do. no sympathy for him being I was sick. going to do all my shopping. On Christmas Eve, because I was so busy. That was the only time I have. Now, again, I'm trying to turn over a new leaf here. But the other embarrassing thing is, remember when I accidentally threw away all your birthday presents? I know. I felt yes. so bad. So I had I had actually was ahead of the curve. I had got her some some birthday presents, and I had them in my trunk. And I'm I had, so proud of you, because you like put heart into that shopping spree. Yeah, so I, and, and this was like a week or two before her birthday. I had it all, I was like, Shocker. I am going to win this year. I'm going to do it right. And as I was cleaning out my trunk, I accidentally grabbed the sack that had all of her birthday presents in it, and I threw them away. Who, I didn't realize it. And then does that? Well, evidently I did once. I don't even know how that happened. And I remember feeling so sick to my stomach when I realized when they were gone and they were gone, gone. The garbage man had come and everything and, and there was like an umbrella in there and a whole bunch of some jewelry. Yeah. Some stuff that not like super expensive jewelry, but you went back and got it all. I did go back and replace it it all. all. And then you told me what happened and I felt so bad. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so actually, since I got double gifts on that one birthday, I should be get credit for the next one. That's not how it works. <laughs> anyway. No, they have they have some um, great footage, great videos on social media about moms always getting gypped on Christmas. Was it for your birthday or Valentine's Day that I got you the the carpet cleaner? <laughs> It was Mother's Day. Oh, Mother's Day. Okay. So uh, in all defense, in all defense. Abby Abby just hung her head. So this was all, or you are a brand new mom. And she had said to me, she goes, you know what I would really love? I would love one of those carpet cleaner steamer units, expensive ones. And I thought in my mind, what a wonderful gift, because that's what she wants. Don't worry, honey. Mother's Day is coming. But no, no, that's what she wanted. So I even wrapped this thing and she unwrapped it and she was trying to be kind. But then she just let loose. She was like, I can't believe you bought this for me for Mother's Day. And I said, and I said, you said, you said you wanted this. And he goes, yes, I want this, but not for Mother's Day. I want it like I need bread and milk. I don't want it. Wrapped up as a gift. So I took it back. I took it back to the store and got a refund. Yes, she refused to keep it. I didn't want it. And so hurt my feelings. I went and got her a different Mother's Day gift, and then I think the next week I went back and rebought that just as a household appliance. That was smart. You're learning. You're almost twenty five years into this thing, and you're starting. Listen, to get it. women can't comprehend the struggle that most men have when it comes to Christmas, birthdays, and anniversaries. It's the most intimidating season. And I guarantee you, all the men listening to this right now are agreeing with me. They are saying, if they're in the car with their wives, they're quietly under their breath saying, amen. The hardest. Unless, no. No, no, no. Christmas no, this isn't true and for all men, because some men like to be gift givers. And receivers. It's just not, it's not for you. I do know men who are really good at like being thoughtful and, and coming up because that, that they're looking forward to doing that. A, they enjoy spending money. It doesn't bother them like it bothers you. It and that's bother not a bad thing. Money. No, but I'm saying, you know what I mean? On what uh, some people I am call frugal. spending I am frugal. money like on frivolous stuff. Well, once in a while, spending money on something frivolous is still important to someone else, even if it's not important to you. And so that's a hard concept, I think, for people to understand, especially when you're frugal. And it's not a bad thing. I mean, you don't want to be frivolous, a frivolous person, but... 
it's not frivolous to the receiver if it's special and meaningful. Does that make sense? No, it makes sense. But my point is, I think most men listening to what I'm saying (laughs) would agree with me that the stress level goes up around their wife's birthday and around Valentine's Day because we don't, many of us don't exactly know how to win (laughs) on those days when it comes to gifts. There's a lot of pressure. I have a lot of family and friends that are willing to coach you. Oh, I don't need coaching. Oh, I think you do. <laughs> no, I think I think this podcast has gone in the wrong direction. I know. I Everyone's going to think that, gee whiz, our pastor is a cheap, <laughs> cheap, frugal, can, non-gift-giving all punk. All I can say is if you don't mind helping him out in about a month before the birthday and a month before Christmas, just kind of, you know... S- Hey, Joe, just to let you know, but it's would, not too soon to start thinking about what you're going to get that special someone. Well, I'm too busy in Bible study and prayer to think about those things. And I, But you have to admit, I have one. I haven't, I haven't failed every Christmas or birthday. I've had some winners in there. There's been a few. Oh, come on. More than there a few. Have. There have been a few. Yeah. Yeah. What's the best present I ever bought you for Christmas or birthday? Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, geez. I know. Well, let's talk about our first Christmas together because honestly we were engaged and, um, and we were living on Oregon. You guys might've heard this story before because I am a gift giver. I really do enjoy thinking about what would be really special for this person and what can I afford and what can I give? I remember because that morning you came over to the church parsonage where I was living Mm -hmm. and you came with a gift and I had my gift and we were engaged. I had planned for this gift for a long time and (laughs) saved for a very long time because I didn't make a lot of money back then. So (laughs) I was a poor college student and yeah, that was, it, it was definitely more about, Giving than receiving, and and you had bought me a Nintendo sixty four. This is which really was showing our age. This is showing our age. This was a big deal. It this was a big deal, which I still think was one of the best gaming systems ever created. Yeah, so I gave you that, and I had saved. I was really excited about giving you that gift because it's something that you really wanted, and we didn't have it. And you spent a lot of money on it. And you saved for months on that. Yeah, I want to say it was almost $200, which was a lot of money back then to spend on a Christmas gift when you're kind of a poor college student. So so what did I get you? Oh, let me <laughs> tell you, ladies. <laughs> ladies, ladies. Joe, I think, made it to Walgreens. No, Actually, there was no. a Fred Meyer there, which no, is kind of like a Walmart. It, I, I thought I was doing good. I went to Bath and Body Works. I doubt it. I no, think they were the generic I did. version. No, they weren't. I remember I remember so well Do because... you know the mini one-ounce bottles? <laughs> I oh, think, that are in those bins up by the cash yes, register? <laughs> I think they were on a shelf, and he went... And he opened a gift bag and he just took about 12 bottles and dumped them in a bag and he checked out. There was no rhyme or reason to the scent or the kind of spray or They were body sprays and lotions. And, and that's, that's exactly what he said. Well, I got you some body sprays and lotions. Oh, peach apricot and lime, <laughs> lime with rosemary. No, oh. I think there was some lavender in there. And I was like, well, thank you. I think, I think, I think I got them on the two for five shelf. (laughs) Thank you so much. I think they were the travel size. Okay. I, okay. I was young and, and we were just engaged and we didn't have a lot of experience giving gifts to one another. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So it's less than two weeks from Christmas, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) So please tell me you have put the ball. Can, can, can I just say that all of these stories come, everyone that we've shared here right now has come from the first two to three years of our marriage, Which, no, except for the, except for the vacuum cleaner. I was going to say, you were a mom by that shall point, we continue? but that was still 19, yeah. 18 years ago. So please give me a little credit that a lot of these embarrassing moments happen really early, credit. right? Credit. All right. Good. Good. All right. Now I will readily admit this is not one of my strong areas, but it is Kirsten, one of your strong areas. So you married an amateur and I married a pro. 
Oh, and so I don't know about that. No, you are. You're the best gift giver I know. And you know how to you know how to make people feel appreciated and welcome and and you you let them know you have a way in the even the little things of letting people know you are important to me you are special to me I appreciate what you have done and this comes naturally to you and I'm good at those things I think but I I verbalize them yeah and I don't actually show them but I verbalize them and so anyway well I do enjoy like thinking about it like the whole like process of it so it's fun for me it's just part of my part of my personality yeah well but christmas is the season for giving and we do celebrate the greatest gift that was ever given and that was jesus christ our lord and we're going to talk about that in just a minute well kirsten speaking of gifts we are focused on the greatest gift this month that was ever given, and that was Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I'm in a sermon series right now where I'm focusing very specifically on the reasons for why Jesus came. And I think we got it kicked off in a, uh, last weekend in a good way. Mm-hmm. He came to save the world. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed uh, that sermon and the dialogue that was created with people afterwards. And, and I, you know, getting into that sermon, I even told the church this, I, I think I told I don't know if I told every service this, but I told several of the services that my guess is this sermon is going to be a lot of agreement. A lot of people here are going to be like, amen. Yeah, we agree with that. But it's even though there's agreement and there is quite a bit of, of, of knowledge about the details, I don't assume that everybody knows the details of Christ's birth and why he came. And it just feels good. I mean, I felt really good going home this weekend of talking about why he came in the very basic principle of he came to save the world and i have a question for you sure in your sermon which one of our sons was the bathroom boy that was neil it was neil okay neil (laughs) you have to go back and listen to that sermon i was sitting there go next to brock i'm like who was that (laughs) yeah yeah and uh, um brock told me later in the day that he remembers that so well that moment and if you don't know what i'm referring to I, i started the sermon by telling a story about um going to see star wars when it came out eight years ago the force awakens and how um, you can't tell them. You tell them to go back and listen to the sermon. Well, they'll go back and listen, but <laughs> but in case they don't, okay. And how after the movie, of course, nobody knew the details of this movie. We we're the very first showing um, here in 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 Arkansas, very first one ever. Oh, wow! So you we were got hot tickets. Yeah, so we were coming out of the theater. It's packed full of people going into the next showing, and uh, the boys and I were in the men's restroom, and we thought we were in there alone. And uh, Neil's like, hey, dad, you know, my favorite part of Star Wars, it was when and right before he said that some somewhere down the long line of long line of stalls started banging on the walls. You know, no, don't say stop. No, no, no. And because because Neil was about to blow it for him. And 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 even when I go into a men's restroom at a movie theater, I think about that moment a lot about <laughs> that. So Brock was telling Stop. me. So like on the way home from church, Brock's like, I totally remember that. You know, that was like eight years ago. Brock would have been super little been back little. then. But he he remembers that moment. But it was Neil who was doing the talking at That's that. But hilarious. but that guy was like, Don't say a word. He didn't want to So my my how I related that story is is that um there's this time of year. There's always somebody, some group, somebody on TV, kind of shouting no and bang on the walls. Don't I don't want to hear about your Jesus. I don't want to hear about your religion. Can Christmas just be Christmas? Don't you know, you know, and that kind of goes back. Do you guys, you guys remember like when Starbucks a few years ago changed their cups at Christmas and everybody freaked out because it they they changed like they always had. I'm boy, this is a long time ago, but didn't they used to have red Christmas cups? They and, still do. Okay, well, there's something about the red, something about it's the red cup. It's like really special. But there was something a number of years ago about that cup, and everybody lost their mind. And like you know, the whole argument of is it Christmas, happy, you know, Merry Christmas, or Happy Holidays? Uh, you know, it's that whole every maybe year they changed it from Merry Christmas on the cups to Happy Holidays. I don't and remember. They lost their mind. I don't that remember. Sounds a little bit more like our culture. But all I was saying is that every year there's always somebody screaming, "No, we don't want to hear this." And and my whole point was, hey, there is no Christ without Christmas. Yeah. He is the reason we have Christmas. And why did he come? It says right there in Matthew chapter one, he came to save the world. Mm -hmm. 
And so we're going to be talking about those kind of things over the next couple of weeks, and it culminates on our Christmas Eve services, which we have 10. And, um, you know, Kirsten and I were talking earlier about, you know, what is it like to be a pastor of a church um, during the holidays? And can I just, I'll give you one word, busy. Mm-hmm. It is busy. And, and, and I... Scenes- on social media where people are sitting next to the Christmas tree, quietly listening to music and the snow is falling <laughs> and they're sipping their Christmas mug. Never happens for us. <laughs> Never. Well, so much of our Christmas, and this is not complaining at all. I, I knew this before I got in the ministry and I love every ounce of what I get to do, but, but the holidays do get kind of messed up. And so usually every Christmas Eve, where are we at? We're at the church, church working. Yeah. And uh, and so for us, when we go home on Christmas Eve, or a lot of times it's like, I don't want to move. I just want, you know. So what was that that reel we saw the other day? Um, we'll have to post it on the show notes. It <laughs> made like us one laugh. The, one of the high school uh, cross-country races. <laughs> and, you know, they ran like 25 miles or something. And they're like dead at the finish line. And they're falling over. And, and they can't walk. And, and the and coaches they, or parents are walking out. And they're helping them push them through to the finish one line. One guy is rolling across like the finish line. His legs are just left. And they're like. <laughs> carrying their legs and their feet. They all look like a baby deer that's just been born. You know, they can't they can't move. And so the 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 caption was all the church staff coming in at the final Christmas Eve service and they and walk wrapping up the last service of the weekend how it feels. Do you remember last year's Christmas Eve services when we had the pipe explode? Yeah. Oh my goodness, the alarms are going off, the fire department comes. I think some people were like, let's go. Let's the funniest thing, the funniest thing about last year, we had all the, we had, what do we have? Like 2000, do we have 2000 people or 15? Yeah, so. It was a ton of people here and uh, we had multiple services. And on one of the services, I just remember John was literally the countdown was five, four, three, and he's about to strum that first. And then there's this explosion at the back of the room. And we had uh, what, what ended up happening is our, fire suppression system, uh, which is high pressure lines, they had frozen and they had, and they'd cracked a pipe. And then when it thawed just at that service, and I think it was a three o'clock service in the afternoon, it just let loose and the ceiling kind of exploded. The water blew through the wall, the wall, believe it, through the wall into the sound booth, soaked all this fire alarms are going off. Power's dead in the whole building. And, and like, and people are just looking around and and I think I remember one individual jumping up like a scene from the office. It's happening and <laughs> runs happening. and runs. But everybody else just sat there. Like, and I remember right. I remember joking with the church the next week going, I can't believe there were hundreds of you that just sat there like, is this part of it? Is this, it's like the fire, the the fire alarms are going off and nobody thought except for one person that maybe we should leave (laughs) that will, I'll never forget that Christmas Eve. But, but typically being a pastor during Christmas, it's, it's very busy. There's, there's, seems like there's a ton of planning meetings. There's, there's, there's parties to go to. Like we just had our staff Christmas party the other day. Um, Everything's gearing up towards the Christmas Eve services where we know we're going to have lots and lots of guests mm-hmm. and you know, the pressure to, to make the familiar story of Christ's birth real and alive for everybody. There's an added stress that I feel that's not there at any other time of the year. It's like, how do we take something that's very familiar and make it feel fresh and exciting? And, well, and, and sadly, there's a lot of people that come that only come on Christmas Eve and maybe Easter and so this is the only message or two that they're going to hear this year. That's right. So it's hard to repackage the same thing that they've heard already the last 10 yeah. years over and over. And we're like, you come back another weekend and hear yeah. God's message too. But yeah, that's, I mean, it's hard to package it in a way that's going to yeah. pierce their heart maybe. This year has been especially busy because I've I've had several other things going on as well. Like uh, I spent... Really nice honor to be invited to come be a part of a uh, leaders gathering down in Searcy, Arkansas last week, mm-hmm. where we had about 20, 20 pastors from the independent Christian churches, which is what we are, and about 20 pastors from the non-instrumental Church of Christ, and um, get together to talk about discipleship 
and about the future of our restoration movement. And um, that was that was that was even a better time than I thought it was going to be. And I, I got to meet a bunch of new people, and um, uh, that was really great. And you mm-hmm. you and all the pastors' wives got invited to be a part of the women's Christmas gathering. Which, yeah, how, how many like three hundred and seventy women that th- signed up? I don't think that's how many came because people get sick and plans change. But we had, I think, around 300 or a little bit more show up for the women's Christmas gathering. Just the women's Christmas gathering was like 300 plus ladies. That Mm -hmm. blew me away. But what was that? They had all the pastor's wives. Yeah, that was super special. Talk about that. Well, they, they had a surprise guest panel. And I was, I got to be a part of that as well as all the rest of the pastor's wives and they had just wanted to ask us questions in front of everybody. And, um, do you want to know what my question was? That they well, asked what were, me? yeah. What were some of the questions they asked the Let's pastor's see. wives? Like, um, these are all the new life's pastor's yeah, wives. Yeah. yeah. So Monica and Judy were up there Renee and, and Renee Kelsey and Pamela. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, just different questions like, What's it like to raise kids in a pastor's home? Um, how did your parents influence you in being a pastor's wife? And um, who was your greatest influence in being a pastor's wife? I think Judy's question was, um, what was the best advice you were given um, before you became a pastor's wife? And then... Um, some of them were lighter than that. Some of the earlier questions were lighter than that. What were your questions? Well, my first question they asked me was, what is my favorite physical feature of my husband? <laughs> she told me how to keep it clean. <laughs> well, I'd hope so. We were all adults. What'd you say? I told him it was your beard, my beard. And then I gave a slight lecture to the ladies out there that were trying to convince you that you needed to cut it because I said, look, I like it. They need it. And they should keep their hands off of you. <laughs> some of them come up some, and touch your beard. Some and, do. Some yeah, do. Which cracks me Everybody up. He comes home and tells me these stories. Oh, guess what? I had this lady come up and touch my beard. And I'm like, that's so funny. Well, that doesn't happen very often. But, you know, everybody has different kinds of boundaries. Oh, and, for sure. And, and um, some have none. Some. <laughs> well, most have, most have but boundaries. But occasionally. I've heard there are some ladies that have said that they think that you should cut it. And I was like, you guys need to cut it out. That's what you need to do. Because I like that. That's my favorite. For the world feature. to know, the only my reason. clean feature. I think the only reason, the only, (laughs) yes, please. (laughs) Hey, the only, the only reason I have a beard is because you like it. Oh, if if you didn't like it so much, I'd probably be clean shaven all the time. Beards. You know, when you grew it, I didn't like it. Beards are hard work. Oh, give me a break. That's you have no other hair. (laughs) (laughs) I have lots of hair on the sides of my head. Just not a lot on the top. No, I, 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 I like having a beard, but I didn't grow it to keep it forever. When we were on sabbatical back in 2018. You've uh, had it for like eight years? No, 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 no. No, like Four five years. years. Okay, okay. I decided that I'm not going to shave while we're on sabbatical. And it started to grow in. I thought, yeah, I'll just leave it. And you hated it. You were like, please cut that off. But then it got a little length on it. And I thought, I'm going to get rid of it. You're like, no, I like it now. And so for the last five years or so, we've been in this little tug of war back and forth. And I have let this thing grow really long. Like and I it, like it long. And I'm like, it's too long. And then Ladies, I cut it. I like it long. Like right now, I feel like I feel like the beard's too long. No, and I would I would not. trim it up a lot. And you no, don't want it to no. be. But, I like it. So, so you had told all the ladies that your favorite physical feature of me is the beard. What's your fa- favorite physical feature about me? What if you were on the men's panel? I love your eyes. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's 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 what I can say in this format. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, but that's no, true. I love your eyes. You have the most beautiful eyes, and they're blue. They're uh, Brock has your eyes. Brock got your deep yeah, blue Brock's eyes. Blonde and blue eyes. Yep. But um, I would say, I'd say your eyes. Thanks, babe. Um, the other question I had was about being a pastor's wife and keeping 
my own unique identity. Mm-hmm. And that one was easy for me. I, f- I felt like it was easy for me just because I just shared that I'm a pretty confident person. Um, it's not something I feel like I've struggled with. Um, and I went into ministry to go into ministry full time by myself, not because I married a pastor. I happen to get to do this with you, which I'm super grateful for. But I, I just said, you know, I think everybody has a preconceived idea of what the pastor's wife or the pastor's wives should be like. And well, everybody has an expectation for sure. uh, There's a preconceived notion that a pastor's wife is this. And, and everybody has, you know, not everyone, but if you were raised in church or had a pastor's wife, then you have a preconceived idea of what expectations. should be. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I told him, I know that I don't meet those expectations for most people because I'm, I'm who I am. I'm who I feel like God has called me to be. And I, I can't change my personality or who I am to meet those expectations. And I don't really try to either. And so, and I don't feel bad about it. Um, I'm okay with, you know, I think one of my things my mom had said one time is, well, you're a pastor's wife. You should probably wear some makeup. And I'm like, I am naturally beautiful. I do not need makeup. So (laughs) I am totally okay with Kirsten said that with a very sarcastic look on her face. I know this is not a video podcast. It's audio. You can't, you can't see facial expression. So I'm just going to help the audience at home. Kirsten was not saying that in, but I just feel like, um, you know, we as women struggle anyway with just some kind of weird judgment on each other and we need to stop, especially, you know, everybody who's a pastor's wife who has a role like that. I went into ministry because I wanted to. Not all pastor's wives want to be in ministry. Not all pastor's wives even understand what that means. They happen to marry a pastor or their husband became a pastor after they married him. And that would, I think that would be a big challenge, but I wanted to be in full-time ministry, but I didn't exactly know what that meant Mm -hmm. when I decided that because my parents were not in full-time ministry. So you've helped with that and helping me learn. Well, I know back when we were discussing getting married and you know, I, you, I don't care who you are. If you're going in the ministry and you want to get married, you have to marry somebody who wants to be in this world with you. That because I know a lot of guys that are not great ministers who are not in ministry anymore because because um, they're not. It's not a rip. I'm not being critical, but uh, ministry and their spouse was incompatible, mm-hmm. and um, the expectations weren't clearly laid out. There was. Um, um, once they got into it, it's like, this is really hard. Mm-hmm. This is really difficult. There's, there's so, you know, n- not to get into any of that today, but there's a lot of, of, there's a lot of people and events and things that pull on you. And it's a very hard, it can be a very hard balance to strike. And the so, church can be kind of judgy. Well, it I mean, can, it just can be, it can. And we've experienced some of that over the years. I, I, I say this all the time that new life is the most chill, super awesome church ever because we've had very little of that here. Mm-hmm. This, this has been just an amazing church experience. Mm-hmm. I, um, the, but at other ministries, mm-hmm. not so much mm-hmm. the, um, but when we were getting engaged, we were really thinking about the future together. You know, this was before I popped the question, mm-hmm. but you and I had to get some things lined out first. And I remember us having the conversation that you're, if we get married, you're it's, it's me and the church, mm-hmm. you know, now you are first before the church, mm-hmm. you know, um, you are more important than my career, but, but it's kind of a package deal. Mm-hmm. You're marrying the ministry and you've mm-hmm. got to be at peace with that. And I remember you said, I don't remember your exact words. You said, I'm good with that, but don't think for a second, I'm going to wear my hair in a bun and say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you saying something like that. And, and you, that, sounds that, like me. that was you letting me know that, um, that I'm gonna you, be you acknowledge that there are expectations, but you're not going to try to, 
you're not going to try to fit a mold that's not you. Yeah. Well, that was always some of the things that attracted me about you. It's like, uh, like, but I remember you saying, don't think for a second that I'm going to put my hair up in a bun and not say anything. And, uh, and it's been interesting over the years. Like I remember when I was interviewing with um, the church here in, in, in Bella Vista and they were meeting you for the first time. And, and I remember going, you know, I said, Kirsten has, Joe a, was nervous. Kirsten has, <laughs> Kirsten has a very, very small nose ring in her nose. You've had it for years. I don't even remember when you got that. I put a larger one in. Recently. I know it's, it's a little large, but anyway, it's, it's a little much, it's a little, it's a little much, <laughs> but most of the time it's just a little teeny. Like I hardly even notice it anymore. I, I barely notice it. Well, you know why it's a larger one? Cause the other day I was bringing our laundry down to the laundry room and I, the sheets hit my nose and it ripped the nose ring out of my nose and I couldn't find it on the laundry room floor. So I went back to my bathroom and got a new one. Anyway, it, it would, story. it would bug me, but anyway, it's, um, it, so, but you know, but I remember we were coming to an interview and, and I, they were going to meet you and I said, you know what, honey, maybe you should take that out just for this interview. And I don't know why I said that because usually I'm not, I don't think about that kind of stuff, but you set me straight. Cause you said, listen, if they can't accept me, um, with with a, nose. with a nose ring, they'll. I don't have any thoughts that they're going to accept me without one. And I remember thinking, that's really wise. You know, it, it, it's it, yeah. If if a nose ring, if a little nose if piercing, if this on. is a hang, uh, this is not where we want to be. Yeah. And um, and I remember after the interview. Um, Ron, Ron Carter, who was the former minister here, who yeah. became a dear friend afterwards. Um, um, and he was part of that transition process with me when he met you for the first time, one of the first, and I, ne- I didn't say a word of this to anybody. Uh, he came up and gave you a big hug and he whispered to you, I love that nose ring. And, <laughs> <laughs> and Ron was almost 70. Yeah. And I, there's something about that that just made me go, this is going to be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I was worried about nothing, but, but anyway, you know, so, um, but that is true when, when, if I, if anybody happens to be listening to this, that's young, thinking about getting married, you think about marrying a minister, you have to come together and you have to be in unity about the path forward uh, and the trajectory of your marriage that, um, that you're not just marrying the pastor, you're, you, you're marrying the church, if you will. But and, you have to keep your individuality. You have yeah. to be yourself and you, cause you don't want to fake your way through life. I, I know someone who's, who had been in ministry for a long time and she was always perfect or tried to be, obviously we're not perfect. Um, I never knew her without makeup. I never knew her without her hair done. And I never knew her in just chill clothes right now. I am in yoga pants and a wrestling t-shirt and I brushed my hair today. I, I am still chill. Like I am still who I am when I need to be chill. I am who I need to be on the, when I need to get dressed and and look good. But she just never could let her hair down and be chill. And I'm like, I don't know of anyone in life who can go through life and not chill, like relax, like you have a relax mode and you have people in your life that you can relax with. And this person who happened to be a pastor's wife just could not get ever in that mode. And I feel like it, it was to a detriment for her. And you just have to be able to be yourself and chill and relax and, and feel like you can be yourself. And maybe that was herself. I don't know, but I know that it's, everybody has, um, you have to be yourself. You have to be comfortable in your own skin and you have to be able to not let everything bother you. And, some things have bothered me, you know, in ministry and things have hurt my feelings, but I have pretty thick skin and I can let certain things roll off my back. And, and Abby knows there's certain things that I'm like, Oh no, they didn't. (laughs) (laughs) And she's not talking about church people. She's she's talking about just 
other just things. Life, just life. You just have to be able to still be yourself and not worry about anyone judging you for being yourself. And I'm, I'm proud of who God made me and I don't want to be anyone else. And I'm happy to take each day with a challenge and say, here I am. I'll give you a little insight on Kirsten. Um, years ago when we were first married, um, Kirsten did something I, I still can't believe you did this. It was so offensive. No, it's not really, but I was like, what is it? It was an Easter Sunday morning. And you had the audacity to wear jeans oh, to church. Oh, I told this story on stage. Did you tell this at the gal, yeah, the women's at, gathering? At, at the mothers' gathering. Oh, you did. Or, okay. Yeah, the mothers' gathering, the women's gathering. It was a women's event. I wasn't there, but but there was a lady in the church that. Now you looked very nice. You had some like nice jeans on, and then, and I think you had like an Easter kind of a a black. Uh, what do you call it? it a shirt? It does not matter. I would call it a shirt. You looked really good. I was clothed and that's all that matters. <laughs> you looked really good, but but she pulled you back into a classroom at the church and berated you. How dare you, the preacher's wife, not wear a dress to church on Sunday morning. And I remember that really hurt your feelings, that somebody got so uptight. But let me just tell you how Kirsten responded to that. it hurt my feelings for like five minutes. Yeah, you got over it pretty quick. And this is how she came out of that conversation. You know what? I think from this point forward for the rest of my life, I will wear jeans on Easter just (laughs) because that's who I am. And so... <laughs> now, now we're a jeans wearing church. We're a pretty casual, relaxed church. But so church wearing jeans is nobody. But that church was too. But it, it, it speaks to that. In her mind, you stepped outside of the expectations and the role of a preacher's wife by not wearing the sunflower dress on Easter Sunday. I didn't and have an Easter bonnet. The Easter bonnet, and uh, and so your response was, "Well, I'll just wear jeans every Easter." And you have, I think, every that was probably what eighteen well, years ago. And what I shared with the ladies at this gathering is that the backstory of that is we had been asking a friend to come to church and he and his family showed up and saw someone walk in with a nicer outfit than he had on. And he felt underdressed immediately and left. They didn't come in. And when we heard that and knew that we're like, look, we're both going to be wearing jeans. We are, Joe and I are jeans wearers. What we have is what we're going to wear and you're going to fit in whatever you wear. And so if, if that was the, that was when I started wearing jeans to preach and a more casual approach to what I wore is when my buddy who had been trying to lead to Christ came, pulled in the parking lot, didn't feel dressed enough and left. And I, that was also me saying, I, 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 that's when I stopped wearing suits to preach. Yeah. But that, yeah. but that lady didn't have that backstory and understand that. And even if she did, I still think she would have judged me, but it didn't matter. Cause to me, I had a, I had a purpose that was way greater for wearing jeans than anything else. Yeah. And so I was, I don't, I don't care what you think. Sorry. I'm, I, I mean, this is this is who I am. Yeah, those are all in previous ministries, and then and but that I do was. Think I have worn jeans every single Sunday. Yeah, or every, every single si- Easter. Easter. But that then. was before. I mean, this was that was during that transition. Like most preachers now, pretty casual in the pulpit, you know. But back then, it was still kind of an expectation, especially in our church, that wear some Dockers. Well, you, you know, the preachers should wear suit. But anyway, all that to say, um, 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 I love being at new life because very little of that has ever followed me here. I mean, these, I'm telling you, I don't know what it is about our church family, but they're like the coolest. And that's not to say that we don't have challenging things that come up, but I don't think there's a whole lot of majoring and minors around here. And uh, it's been awesome. The ladies appreciated all of our answers. Everyone had a really good answer to their question and, and gave a little bit more insight about who we were and who we are and, and kind of a little bit about our families. And so I wasn't trying to ruffle any feathers and (laughs) um, I just had, you know, a unique question that had something to do about individuality. And I think it's important that every, 
every single person um, be who they are and be who God created them to be. And the moral of this story is if you're a young couple looking to get married and you have any inklings of going to the ministry, you need to come talk to us first. <laughs> we're going to set straight. We're going to give we're going to give you the lowdown. We're going to tell you what it's like, but, but you know, to kind of wrap this up uh, Christmas time um, for a pastor, especially around here, it's typically a very busy season. It just seems like there's a lot of stuff that comes at you right and left. There's a lot of things to be a part of. And then, and then we have the Christmas Eve services and then there's just ah, time to, to take a deep breath. And so I love it. It's, it's, it's really good. You know, we talk getting under the hood under the hood is what's it like to be a pastor at Christmas time. It's, it's, it's a joyful, joyful thing. But, um, um, anyway, Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. How many days till Christmas? Just not that far. 12 12 days days to Christmas. Hey, we should sing the, Hey, we should go out singing the song on the 12th day of Christmas. No, you guys start on the first day of Christmas. Oh, that's right. See, I don't even know the song. I'm not singing the song. Um, one of the things that we're looking forward to is all four of us being together again. Yes. For three weeks. Yes. Our kids in college away is for the birds. Um, I'm a big, I think I'm going to be a big advocate for uh, keep your kids at home forever. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> let but them go do what they want to do. But it will be nice to have Neil and all of us back together. We got some stuff planned, but he's yeah. going to be home for a few weeks. The big thing is, are we going to encourage him to come to church this weekend in his uniform? I guess people will find out. Yeah. He said, if you really, really want me to, he's bringing, I'll do it. He has to wear his SDBs. Um, I think on the airplane. Yeah. I don't think he should have to. I think he should just wear civvies and be done with it. SDBs stand for service dress blues, but they are black. So it doesn't make any sense to me, but because they're Navy. So maybe you'll see Neil and his, uh, SDBs. Or maybe you'll just see him in his normal civilian, civilian clothes. clothes. That's right. We'll they see call if any- civvies. That's right. Anyway, hey, this is our last podcast of the year. We're going to take twenty three. We're going to take a Christmas break, and uh, we'll come back in January. But as always, Kirsten and I want to tell you um, how much we appreciate those of you that take the time to listen to us talk about uh, all things faith, ministry, and family. And uh, we love talking to you guys about things you heard on the podcast. And we just love this opportunity to just go a little bit deeper, talk about some things in a more casual way. Um, that are important to us and our family and important to our church. And uh, on behalf of uh, Kirsten and I, we just thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us. That's all for today's show. We want to thank our amazing producer, Abby O'Brien. Be sure to check out our show notes in the link for things that we talked about today. And don't forget to subscribe. Thanks for joining us on Under Under the the Hood. Hood, not a car show.